This is from James 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. We put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal around. Or ships, as an example, although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets in the whole course of one's life on fire, and it's itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise the Lord our Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and my sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water. You may be seated. Good morning. Appreciate you guys uh, taking a chance on me this morning and uh, letting me back into the pulpit. (laughs) How are you all doing? Uh, It's good to be here. I want to introduce some friends of mine visiting from Atlanta, Uh, Randy and Carol Pope. Where are you? They're they're way back there. Just stand up and we'll just wave at you. They're, they're from the country of Atlanta. Uh, is, is Sundar here? Sundar Tapa from Nepal? We're expecting you. Uh, Sundar has been a great friend over the last 30 years, who's one of the early uh, partners that we had in our church that's uh, helped to teach us how to live uh, from the outside in. You know, a lot of churches n- never go from the inside out. They get stuck in the inside and becomes a club. Um, and uh, to, to reimagine, well, what would you do if you lived in a Hindu culture? How would you, as a minority, win them to Christ? And as we are increasingly a minority in this world, as believers in Jesus, how do we do that culturally? So that when Christians come to church, we're not thinking that this is the game, but this is the locker room, and out there is the game when I go into my neighborhood and, and uh, into school and work, and uh, Sunder was the first one. He didn't, never brought up the subject. I just watched him, and I just oh, this is amazing how you do that. So I was hoping to greet him today. 
Uh, but maybe we can take a moment as we go into the Word to just pray. Sinder's wife, Sarita, is uh, gravely ill and um, uh, hoping that she gets some medical treatment while they're visiting, and, uh, and then we'll get into the Word. Lord, thank you for your love for us, your love for Sunder and Sarita Tapa, and how they've been used so much to reach uh, literally tens of thousands of, of people, uh, both Hindu and animus, who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And God, we pray particularly for Sarita that you would touch and heal her in the name of Jesus. God, this phenomenal, phenomenal powerhouse woman, uh, touch her and give her days uh, back in health and vitality. And now, Father, we ask that you would speak to us through your holy word. Uh, We are literally all ears to hear what you would say to your church today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in James chapter 3, as you heard, and um, to get into this passage, I want you to look at the screen uh, at these stones here. I think it's a good way for us to imagine what we're going to be talking about as to what we do with our tongues, what we do with our words. And when, when we think of uh, the tongue, you know, I love the fact that James uses such a graphic gross thing like who wants to see anybody else's tongue yeah you know when the doctors or nurses say ah it's like the worst thing in our lives to stick this thing out and fortunately it's not as long as a giraffe but it's it's not the prettiest part of us and so James picks on that uh, to talk about something that's bigger than just this wagging appendix inside our mouth and that is uh, our words our communication not just the audio words, but your texts, your emails, your social media. Uh, we are a people of communication, but he's, he's making the point that um, this could be a very bad thing or a very good thing. And uh, so I was thinking about these stones, and as a kid growing up, I loved to throw rocks. I mean, that's what guys, kids do, you know, it's just... And you're always hearing your parents say, you know, watch out. You know, there's people walking by. And you say, what are they walking by for? I'm throwing rocks. And, and we would actually, I don't recommend this to your, your kids, but we would have dirt clod fights. You know, we'd pick up uh, dirt clods in the walnut grove behind our house. Um, and, and we'd just have full-on fights. Sometimes there were orange fights and, and that kind of thing. Don't, don't ever say you heard that from the pulpit. But rocks can hurt. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will kill me. And so I had a guy in my neighborhood, Jim Russell, who would uh, polish stones. Now, who's got that kind of time? You know, it's like... He had a, this, this little machine on his tool chest, and he would just take a stone and polish it, and it would come out looking like one of these, and this is what a polished stone looks like, but it's not what a hurtful stone feels like 
when it's thrown. So you and I have the choice to make our words polished and wonderful that bring blessing to other people's lives or to wound them severely. And so this is something that James is pulling the early church back to. Remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, Same mother, different father. Figure it out. And, and so he's seen his brother. He watched his older brother grow up. He, he's, he saw Jesus artfully use his words to bring blessing to people. But he's now seeing something different in the church. And there, was, there couldn't be a time where the church in America needs to learn how to use our words. We are greatly copying our culture, bringing pain, woundedness, and hurt to one another uh, unwittingly because we're just doing what our culture does. But if there was an area that we could circle and say the church needs to be different, this would be a wonderful place to start for us to learn how to use our words And specifically our tongue. So we begin in verse 1 where he talks what I would call the position of the tongue. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he, he says is perfect able to keep his whole body in check. So James is saying nobody's perfect, but he picks, first of all, on people like me, teachers. And every time I read this verse, I think, oy vey, why did I ever decide to be a pastor teacher? Because I'm going to be judged more severely than you. It's just what the Bible says, and I get it. There's more accountability. The greater the responsibility, the greater the Uh, accountability and you see that when great disasters happen someone is the fall guy they're probably going to be fired even though they didn't do it because someone has to pay for this there is accountability but he then includes everybody and says that we all stumble in many ways uh, and none of us are with without fault so he's drawing a bigger circle Not just around teachers, but around all of us. So when I get to heaven, I'm probably going to be sitting on the back row with binoculars, looking at the back of your heads, because there's a greater accountability for me. And I think accountability would involve probably two primary things. One is uh, the, the issue of substance. What am I teaching from the pulpit? Not just in terms of false doctrine, but am I keeping Jesus the main thing? Am I keeping the main thing, the main thing? There's a great temptation throughout my life, but particularly now, to make this the center of politics. And to stand on my little soapbox and to let you know what I think. And I can guarantee you, I do think. I, I have some strong opinions about what's going on here in our country. But in my mind, and I learned this from Jesus, when he was tempted to be 
anti-Roman, or he was tempted to be uh, uh, pro-tax collector. Those are the two parties, the zealots and the the pro-Roman tax collectors. But he kept the main thing, the main thing, which was a bigger message than even the Roman Empire, which is the kingdom of God. And I don't want to mess you up, but there's something bigger than America. I know. We we pretty much begin to think that Jesus is America. And And we wrap Jesus in the flag of America. And I'm not being sacrilegious. I hope you know that. I am not being anti patriotic. I'm just saying that this right here is not the White House. This, the pulpit, is sacred and reserved for the Word of God. And when I come here, I want to hear. I've already listened to Fox News and CNN. And I'm already steamed. But when I come here, I want to know that this is not that. It's going to influence what I think. But this needs to influence that. When I was a young man playing racquetball, I would often take on these, these huge successful businessmen, and, and they, were, they were huge. I mean, they ate big lunches. And, you know, I was just this young spry rabbit, and I'm just thinking, I'm taking you down. And I remember playing this medical doctor from the Dominican Republic in San Bernardino, and I just sized him up. I, I noticed that he had huge wrists, so I, I knew he's going to hit the ball strong. But I just thought, you know what? I am taking you down. And he just began to work me like a chicken bone. <laughs> he, he just had me running all over the court, and I always got to the ball because I was quick. And he would just work me and work me and work me. And then he would just roll it off the back wall or off the front wall so that I couldn't get it. And do you know he never moved? (laughs) He just stood there in the center of the court. He dominated. And oftentimes, I think the devil's doing that to the church. By the way, I'm off notes right now. I, the devil is doing that to the church right now. We are just running ourselves. Well, did you see that today and that today and that today? What do you think? <laughs> and never once have we preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Amen? Yeah. So I'm... I'm accountable for that, but the other thing I'm accountable, and we are all accountable for this, is uh, the issue of hypocrisy, what you say and what you do. And the Pharisees were greatly negligent in this area. So James says, teachers, but then he draws a bigger circle and he says, we all stumble, we all fail. And we all got to get better at this. And I I love the grace in his attitude. And I'll be the first to say, um, I come from a very verbal family. Uh, My sister and brother-in-law are visiting. Welcome. (laughs) And uh, as we were sitting around 
a wedding table last night, and we're all talking at the same time. I'm remembering the fact that that's what it was like growing up. Nobody was listening. Everyone was talking at the same time. And in the Foreman family, we all speak our mind. And our mind is rich with nothing. But we all think it's, it's important at the moment. And, you know, so it would be very common. I just need to tell you, or I just need to say, or I just got to be real. Or In all that, I'm saying I'm a sinner. And I haven't used my tongue well. And I want to get better before I get old. <laughs> so he comes to the power of the tongue. And this is probably something we've just never thought about. Uh, how many of you have been to a conference uh, recently on self-control or the controlling of the tongue? Wouldn't it be interesting to see that online? Like, oh my gosh, honey, look at this. We need to go to this. It only costs $600. It only costs $1,000. i have been waiting for this conference. So, oh, self-control. You know, it will never sell in America, right? So James says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts, meaning it can do big things. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So three metaphors here. The, he ends with forest fire. Only you can prevent forest fires, and it's always just a small thing that starts this raging forest fire. And then the other two examples are the ship that's turned by a tiny rudder, and, and then the horse, the bit, and the bridle. So evil words, James is suggesting, ends up affecting not only my life, but everybody's life. Here's what struck me about this, is as you're reading these metaphors, you're expecting him to say, and your tongue affects your body, your tongue steers your body, but that's not what he says. He says, the tongue boasts of great things, meaning it goes beyond you and it goes beyond me, it goes affecting other people's lives. The ship that is steered by the tongue it is huge depending on your sphere of influence. And it's affected by two things I've noticed in the area of speech. One is what I say, and the other is how I say it. Now, if you didn't catch the second part, you're not married. <laughs> the content, that's the what I say. The how and the timing is how I say it. So that's so contrary to a country that's built around free speech, isn't it? <laughs> if, think of the irony of this. 
We're a country of free speech, and we're right now raging in that debate because of uh, different constraints on social media, different things of what you can say and not say in a woke society, and we're all, you know, up in arms about the free speech. And even before that, our culture is all about being authentic. I just need to say this. It's just, I just need to be honest. I just need to be real. And no, you don't. Control yourself. Is this really what you want to say? Because there is going to be some consequences. Are you polishing a rock or are you throwing a rock? Just because you need to be authentic. And is there another way to say this? Is a better timing to say this? Listen to Proverbs. I'm going to give, just rattle off a bunch of Proverbs so you understand this is not just some extra credit Christian thing. This is straight and center Christianity. Proverbs 10, 19. Sin is not ended by multiplying words. You know how we think, I'm just going to settle this? <laughs> it usually doesn't settle it. But the prudent hold their tongues. Eleven nine. Evil words destroy one's friends. There's the throwing of the rocks. Wise discernment rescues the godly. There's the polishing. Evildoers are trapped by their sinful talk. And so the innocent escape trouble. 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Hard words, words stir up anger. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. A person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are refreshing in a bubbling brook. We're going to end this sermon on that positive idea. Wise speech is rarer and more valuable than gold and rubies. Telling lies about others is harmful. Throwing stones and hitting them with an axe. Wounding them with a sword or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Guard, set a guard over your mouth. My mouth, Lord, and keep watch over the door of my lips. So we need God's help. Now, let me just give you three verses from the early church. So you understand they struggled and they were learning this very issue. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation always be seasoned with grace, with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to the, their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So you, the potential of the tongue. And then Titus 3.1, remind people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready, to do whatever is good, to slander no one. To be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. So I've done a lot of thinking about this over the last I, so many years, and uh, what I've noticed happens in me is that something bothers me. It's an event. It's a person. It's a situation. Maybe it's even the news, and and it comes into me, and now I'm bothered. You with me? 
I'm just kind of stewing about this. And, and so let's just call it anxiety. There's an angst inside. Well, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. And so now I'm thinking about uh, what am I going to do about it? And the easiest release valve is the tongue. But I don't have the courage to go up to the person and say, excuse me, in all kindness and gentleness, I think you just ripped me off. Uh, you didn't give me the proper change. Or whatever the, the, the gentle confrontation. I usually don't have the courage to do that. So I'll go to somebody else. Did you get ripped off? It releases the valve. It's called gossip and slander. And that brings me to the next step, which is birds of a feather. I love to find someone who also feels the same way I do. Is really common when it comes to politics. I just fly over birds of a feather, find the person, thinks like I do, and say, oh, I love you. I like you. Now, you can imagine the pain if it's about someone else. And the final step is division. Well, we just don't want to be with those people. Because we're going to come over here. We're not like them. And so we do it over and over again. The angst, the talking, slander, and then division. Now, Jesus said there's a different way. Jesus said that if you see a brother in sin, that is, this is the issue. And that's every one of us has to decide when something bothers us. If that's an issue, is that an issue that I need to confront about? And that's, that's a big question. If, as I said two weeks, three weeks ago, if, if everything is an issue with you, then you have an issue. <laughs> it, it's called walking on eggshells. You don't want to buy. But most of us sort through it and say, okay. The temperature in the room was really cold in church today. Hello? <laughs> and, uh, and so that would, you know, I, I have to decide, is that an issue? Is that just, and we do that all the time, right? My husband was late for dinner. Is that an issue? He was two hours late. Is that an issue? Happens all the time. Is that an issue? Yeah, you'd probably say, yeah, it is an issue. Now, what do we do? Well, Jesus said, you go to them privately. You don't find a friend to release valve to and create division and gossip. You go straight to the horse's mouth because you're courageous and you can do it with love and gentleness. And, and if they repent, you've won a brother haven't gossiped and you just went to the source and if they don't listen and you think it's still an issue then I get two other people and I go and I talk I save their dignity I save the unity and if I win them I've won a brother you see so there, it's not saying just be uh, just be nice be Mr. Gumby 
that doesn't care about anything, but rather be one who represents you. Now, as I said, I'm a sinner, and I have really struggled my whole life to learn about this. And so early on in our marriage, I'll explain more about this as I go along, but uh, I realized that I wasn't very good at my tongue. And I'm, I'm still kind of in kindergarten. But I came across this helpful tool called the awareness wheel. I want to show it to you right now. Um, I had to go through this course three times because it, it helped me so much and I was such a slow learner. First in counseling and then in the course and then the course. So uh, a lot of times in, when you come across an issue... Uh, I get lost. I'm in the jungle. You know, words start flying and people start saying things. And I'm just, I don't know where I am. And people say very stupid things in the midst of the heat of the jungle. So this kind of breaks it down. And the goal in, in these kind of issues is to slow everything down. And, but what we normally do is speed it all up. Right? And then we end up throwing rocks. So I sense is, um, is just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Uh, it's, it's talking about the five senses. You saw something, you heard something, you felt something. And to use my example from earlier, I, I was at the restaurant and you weren't there. And this happens regularly. That's a sense. You with me? Then another, and you don't have to go in the order of this, but this, another aspect, this is what I think in my thinking. If you enter into my thinking, when you're late like this is, I think something's bad has happened to you. I think uh, you don't care. I think, um, you know, that you have other priorities. How I feel is I feel unloved. What I want is for us to both show up at the restaurant and eat a meal together. That's what I want. And what I plan to do is to show up on time and in advance to ask you if you are going to be there on time. Now, I haven't called anybody any names. I've dealt with the issue and, right? And so that's kind of, maybe it's helpful for some, for others. It's like, whatever, you know. So let's go on. So then he comes to the poison of the tongue. And this is where, this is the darkest part of the passage, but we all get it. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. You know, he just finished talking about the spark setting the whole forest fire. And then he continues with this fire theme, but he takes it even deeper and he says, it corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life, not just your body, but one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. 
And then he concludes and says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles. I'm not sure what reptiles he's taming here, but uh, that'd be interesting. Um, You know, teach a gecko to do certain things that you want the gecko to do. But sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. We seem to be able to tame a lot of animals, but for the history of humankind, we haven't been able to tame the tongue. Generally speaking, it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's a cancer. If you ask, what is the biggest problem in America right now besides disunity? I would say the tongue. Uh, Media outlets are all making money on saying opposite things and accusing of opposites. And uh, people are polarized just because of the free reign of the tongue. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like a sword. In Matthew 15, 11, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles us. So he associates the tongue with the agenda of hell. Now, I don't think that there's going to ever be a demon that shows up on my shoulder and says, tell him this, tell him that. But if I think that what comes out of my mouth is, is being steered or veered by the agenda of hell. Hurt, woundedness of feelings, uh, division, that's, that's the agenda of hell itself. So how do we tame this thing? So picking on myself... With the awareness wheel, what led me to the awareness wheel is the discovery that I have a tail. Let me let me explain. So, um, I started noticing that whenever there was a discussion where I was involved, it seemed like someone ended up being wounded or hurt, and I had to go back find out what happened, apologize. And I started noticing a pattern that I was at every one of those events. (laughs) And the experience was like being in a china shop and you hear a crash of some dishes behind you and you turn around and there's nobody there, but there's some broken dishes on the floor. And you say, whoa, someone needs to be careful. And I would walk around some more, and I'd hear crash, and I'd turn around. No one was there. And I started noticing a pattern. It seemed to be wherever I had just been. (laughs) And it was my tail. My tail saying things. I didn't mean to hurt anybody. I didn't mean to wound anybody. I didn't, you know, I was just being me. And authentic. And I thought, I've got a tail. And I need to figure out how to tame my tail. So he says that there's potential for you and I with, with our tongue. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings. 
who have been made in, in the likeness of God. So look to your left and look at the person there. And then look to your right. That person is the image of God. The, the God representative for planet Earth. We're not to kill him, Genesis chapter 9, but we're, we're not to speak ill of someone. Maybe they're not believers yet, but they still were created to be the face of God. And who are we to decide, I'm just going to take them down. So, he warns us, and he says, brothers and sisters, these things should not be where out of our mouths come praises like we were doing, but also woundedness. So he asks the questions, and he goes back to some metaphors. Can a fig tree produce olives? No. Can a grapevine produce figs? No. And can a spring produce fresh water and salt water? No. So the power of life is right there. Isn't that amazing? Transformed people by the power of the word of God. We say transforming lies, but in the intermediate step is transforming our tongues. That our very tongues could be the vehicle of touching other people's lives. The conduit of blessing. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and of death. And in Proverbs 12.14, from the fruit of their lips are filled good things. So what do we do? We need to begin using this wonderful tool to bring blessing to people around us. Have you ever noticed you like to be around people who like you, who say encouraging things to you, who are uh, very loving. I'm looking at some friends back there who, uh, uh, Egyptian-American friends that are always warm and encouraging to me. Always. And I love to be around them. A lady that we used to know, Ann Ortland. Uh, up in Pasadena. She wrote a wonderful book called Children Are Wet Cement. And the thesis of the book is you as a parent have the power with your tongue to shape your children to become who you want them to be. So instead of saying, why are you always late? You say, I love how you arrived on time. We watched Jan's grandfather do that once where our son John was staring at this rich mud in their garden. And I, he wanted to get in and play among the rose bushes where this mud was. And Jan's grandfather had white carpet in his house. And Jan's grandfather saw what was going on in John's mind as a, as a two-year-old. 
Now, in my house growing up, it, it would be, don't even think about it. Don't step in the mud. I know what you're thinking. Don't you even dare. But we heard Jan's grandfather, with that wonderful Tennessee accent, say, um, thank you, John, for being so thoughtful and not playing in the mud as you come into our house. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> how do I learn to do that, right? So think of your friends, think of your family around you. What if they are all wet cement and you now begin to be able to encourage, to bless, to thank? What do you think would happen with the ultimate word, which is the gospel? They would become receptive to the gospel, because of who we are, what we've done with our tongue. Early on in the pandemic, Jan and I were waiting for the time to just get over and to get out of Dodge, and, and we made a great escape over to uh, the big island of Kona. And, um, you know, we went through all the hassles of getting tested before and getting tested when we arrived and getting tested, you know, and all that stuff. But it was so great to get away. And, and as we were leaving... We checked our car in at Avis. I get onto the Avis bus, and it's crowded as you can't believe. And I'm thinking, how is this safe for COVID? And we're all crammed in like that. And the driver begins to talk with his tongue. And I'm not listening at first, and he says, Aloha, and he says, I hope everyone's had an aloha experience here on our island, and we're so glad that you came, and just things I expect him to say. He says, I hope you packed a little aloha with you uh, so that you bring some aloha back to your neighbors and to your friends, and still I'm thinking this is a nice little pep talk, and then he says, you know, you really could Touch your friends' and neighbors' lives with the aloha you bring. And he says, an encouraging word. And I'm, now I'm listening to this guy. He says, an encouraging word, just to give them thanks, just to say, hey, I'm glad that you're my neighbor. And hey, thanks for doing this. And I'm really listening now. And he says, and before you get off the bus, I also want you to think about that neighbor that you haven't spoken to for three years because they drive you nuts. And I want you to think about the aloha you could bring them if you said something kind, and he used the word kind, and if you were gentle, and he used the word gentle. And I'm thinking, I'm on to you. And, I, after, and when he got off the bus, I said, you're a believer, aren't you? And he says, oh, yeah. He says, I'm just using my tongue the way God told us to use our tongue. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love for us. And God, we're the first to admit that we're in preschool, we're in kindergarten when it comes to this spiritual discipline. But we invite you by your Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to bring tongue control <laughs> into our lives. We ask you, God, to change us so that we might touch other people's lives 
with your love and ultimately with the good news of Jesus. We pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. To bless someone literally means to speak a good word to them. So I want to bless you. I want to bless you. May the presence of God be with you this week. May the nudging of the Holy Spirit be with you when it comes to issues, when it comes to difficult people. And may God show all of us the power of the weapon that's in our mouth. May he give us wisdom and guidance of what to say and what not to say. And may we be people that are quicker to bless and encourage and to say thankful, say thank you uh, before we're quick to hurt and wound. And may God bless us to never be divisive, to never be divisive to never slander, to never gossip. And may God bring us all back to the truth that it was the Word of God incarnate. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and became our blessing. And may God give us those words to our friends and neighbors in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, come and get it.